You're listening to New Spring Radio with Hector Velarde, pastor of Calvary New Spring Church in San Antonio, Texas. But I am an eyewitness of what Jesus has done and what I have heard him do in my life. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you. I want you to be compelled to tell about what you have seen and what you have heard. Talk about it. Tell somebody. Tell your story of salvation. There's something good about being able to tell about what you have seen and what you have heard. There's power in that. Have you ever had a hard time telling someone about Jesus? Maybe you've thought that you don't know what to say or that you don't have all the answers. In today's message, Pastor Hector will be sharing about the importance of telling your own story. Jesus has done something specific and impactful in each one of our lives that no one can debate. By sharing what we have seen Jesus do in our lives, we become witnesses to the power of the gospel in our lives. No one can argue with our testimony. Now. Here's Pastor Hector in the book of Mark chapter 1. As he begins his message, Jesus' authority made public. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, and we're going to continue right where we left off in verse 20. So we'll be in verse 21 today through verse 34. So Mark 1, 21 through 34 in a message that I have titled, Jesus's authority made public. So that's what we're going to see. Jesus's authority is going to be made public now. He's, he's exposed who he is, and now he's going to start adding to that his authority. And so let's, before we start, let's pray. Lord, Thank you again for this time. Thank you for the things that that are beginning to happen here in the church as we kind of get our feet under us again and we begin to walk in this thing that we call church, that we know as fellowship, as koinonia. Lord, we are we are really walking through uh, uncharted waters. We we I've never had to decide, Lord, about some of the things that. I'm having to decide, and nor has really any pastor in the last 70 years at least. And so, Father, we need you to lead us, to guide us, to show us what you want the church to be in 2020. So, Lord, we just ask you in Jesus' name to fill us, to, Lord, give us understanding in our heart, enlighten our understanding, Lord, so that we may apply this text to our lives and that we may be able, Lord, to grow from it. And so, Father, we ask for the filling of your spirit now, in Jesus' name, amen. So, in our previous study, we read, or we've been reading Luke's narrative of Jesus coming to, remember the area of Galilee, that's where he's at, so that, it tells us the region, we know what he's doing, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, which was what, if you recall a couple of weeks ago, it told us that this is what it was, when it says he preached the gospel, it was that the time is fulfilled, and that the kingdom of God is at hand, and then Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. And so that was the area, that was who was speaking, and that's what he was saying. But coupled with his message, coupled with all that I just shared, and that message of repentance and faith, came things that Jesus did that validated who he was. So it wasn't just things that he said, it was also things that he did. 
If you recall in our last study, it was somewhere in the same time frame that John the Baptist was in prison. So within our text here in 1 and 2, it's, it's right with that time frame when John the Baptist finds himself in prison. And it was from prison being discouraged, being in doubt, because it happens. Even the great John the Baptist would be no greater prophet than he, even that guy. John the Baptist was doubting. And do you remember that now Matthew 11 covers it, Mark doesn't. But it, he sends a message. He sends a question to Jesus. And through the, the other disciples, he sends him this question. And John asks Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And there was doubt there in the mind of John the Baptist. And if you recall, I don't know if you remember Jesus's answer, reply to John. He said, oh, John, John, the, the blind, go tell John that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And that was Jesus' answer. I'm not just telling you something. I'm not just preaching the gospel, but I am doing things that, uh, that confirm who I am and who confirm my authority. Now, I think what Jesus said there was a reference to Isaiah 35, which basically tells him that along with his message was this evidence of his power and his authority. And today we get to see that. So we know what his message is, but now today we see that power, that authority in action. And you need to know this. Before we, what we read today, before we, we get into it, you need to know that what we're about to read is real. It's real. It's, it's true. And most of all, you need to know that it can still happen today. What we're going to read, it can still happen today. It wasn't just done back then and that it doesn't happen anymore. Perhaps we don't have Jesus physically walking around and touching and healing and setting people free, but you need to know that he is still at work. Jesus is still at work. Now, sometimes he uses people to do it, while other times he just simply does it, right? But one thing is true. Jesus is still doing miracles today. And, and perhaps you're one of those persons who, who just thinks, well, it, I haven't experienced any miracles in my life, so it might just have been something that I read here. That's not true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that being said, he is still doing things in our midst. So in order for us to see this authority, this power here in our text and seeing how it's revealed, we're going to divide our text in three divisions again, if you will, points. I don't know what to call them, but we'll just call them divisions. And so we'll do it in three, and it'll be verses 21 through 28, if you take notes. We're just going to, we're going to see Jesus's power, his authority, and we're going to see it over the supernatural. So you could just say verses 21, 28, the supernatural, or authority over the supernatural, if you'd like. And then verses 29 to 31, over the sick, so the supernatural, the sick. And then there's a few more verses there at the, at the end, 32 to 34, over the skeptic. And I'll explain that as we get to it. So authority over the supernatural, the sick, and the skeptic. 
So look at the supernatural. We it's, it's kind of a big text or a long text, so we're just going to read it and then we'll start looking at it piece by piece. But follow me, we'll read 21 to 28. It says, Then when they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And verse 27 says, And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, what an amazing story this is. So, so much to consider. The, the scene is this. It's church. It's synagogue. It's a little different than what we do here. But what would happen was that during the Babylonian captivity, what took place is that they, didn't have, they no longer had the temple to meet at, which is what they were used to. So they decided that where there was a group of 10 or more Jewish men, they would establish a synagogue. And so a synagogue became a place not so much of sacrifice like the temple, but a more of a place of learning. And so that is kind of the setting. They're, they're at church. They're in this synagogue. And there is, within their midst, a demon-possessed man in attendance. And Jesus heals him. That's basically the story. Now, now it's not your typical Sunday, right? Uh, I mean, we, we haven't seen that, at least since I've been back. But it's not your typical Sunday church service. And so in order to kind of get an idea of what went on that day, let's just kind of look at a few things as I, as I point out some details of what took place. Because look at verse 21. It gives us a few details as we get up to what's going on. First thing is notice that it says that then they went. And, and I point that out because I want you to notice that Jesus is no longer alone. When he was walking by the sea and he called out the guys, he was alone. When he was tempted in the desert, he was alone. But here we notice that he is no longer alone. And there's the four, the four that he had called previously, and maybe more guys that are now following him. The, these guys will be eyewitnesses of what Jesus will do from this time forth. They're going to see everything and they're going to hear everything that Jesus is doing. Later on in the book of Acts in chapter 4, when they're told not to speak about Jesus, they want to slap him in the hand and they're mad at them for speaking about Jesus. And they say, you can no longer, they're just threatening him, right? They're, they're empty threats, but they're, they're threatening Peter and John for, for speaking about Jesus. Do you recall what they said? They said, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Did you know that like them, you and I are witnesses of what Jesus has done? Like I'm a witness of what Jesus has done in my life. Some of you might not, well, none of you know who I was before Christ. And if I was to tell you stories, maybe some of you would believe me, but some people would be like, there's no way. There's no way you could have. 
but I am an eyewitness of what Jesus has done and what I have heard him do in my life. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you. I want you to be compelled to tell about what you have seen and what you have heard. Talk about it. Tell somebody. Tell your story of salvation. There's something good about being able to tell about what you have seen and what you have heard. There's power in that. And these guys are now, this is like the beginning of it. When they say that in Acts chapter 4, it starts like right here. They're walking into the first thing that they're going to hear Jesus say and do. But look at the other thing. It says that they went into Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was a city on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. It's not really a sea. It's more of a, I guess it is a sea. It's, it's a lake, if you will. It, it's there on the shores. It is thought to have had about 1,500 people and population, so not very big for our standard, but for the day, it was a fairly large size. It was on the route to Damascus on the north and so that meant that there was kind of a customs crossing through there so there was there was commerce there there was there were supplies there there was there were Romans charging and and taxing the people and so it was it was kind of a, a happening place it was alive there was a lot going on in Capernaum and Capernaum is going to be Jesus's home base from the area of Galilee or for his Galilean ministry. He's going to spend a lot of time in the area of Capernaum. The third thing is, look at verse 21. It also says that immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he taught. You'll know that time and time again, as we go through the book of Mark, we're going to see this pattern in the life of Jesus. We'll actually see it in the life of the Apostle Paul, too. As he goes on his missionary journeys, you're going to notice that the first thing he does is he hits the synagogue. And why? Because he knew there was people in there who needed to know about Jesus. They knew scripture, they knew prophecy, but they did not know the Messiah. And so he will go in there, he goes into the synagogue, and then he will teach. In this case, it's important to notice that the miracle is going to come after the teaching. Look at what it says. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. And notice it doesn't say he started removing demons from people, right? Calling people out. No, it says that he came in and he taught. In other words, Jesus's mission was to educate the people. And if a miracle was necessary, then he would do that. But it was not the other way around. So it's the Sabbath, which the Sabbath is from Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. That's the way that the Jewish people measure their days. It's from sundown to sundown. So it's most likely Saturday afternoon. So it's in the middle of the Sabbath, and this will play into the rest of our story and why I think it was somewhere around Saturday afternoon or in the morning, if you will, whatever you'd like. But he goes into church, and look what happens. Verse 22, they were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority unlike the scribes. Now, you have to follow me on this. Jesus gets up. Because that's what they would do. And he would unroll the scroll and he would teach from the word. He would just teach it. Now, he, he taught the same word that the scribes were teaching. However, 
it seems here that it, it, it is. It didn't seem. It tells us that it was different than the scribes. That there was some, something different that Jesus did that the scribes weren't doing. What is that or why? Why would they point that out? Well, because the scribes, you have to know, they would simply repeat what other rabbis had shared with them. So it was a reading of the word, and then they would say, well, Rabbi Halal says this, or Rabbi Gamaliel says this, and then they would quote other rabbis, and they parroted, if you will, what they heard, while Jesus, he just begins to read the word, and then he begins to just share from it. It came from the heart. It says that he taught with real authority. That word authority, it just simply means power. So as he got up there, there was a power. It doesn't mean that he was like the most eloquent and that he was just, man, he just, everybody was like, ooh, ah, you know, and what he said, they were just, it just means that there was a power behind what he said. And Jesus, I believe, taught with power because he was confident in what the word said and not in what somebody else said. So that being said, nothing wrong. And so please don't take this the wrong way and say, well, then I'm just not coming back to church ever again. But nothing wrong with you repeating something you hear at church. Right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with you quoting it or you putting it out there or God ministering through to you through something that somebody said at church or a devotional that you have read, but don't use that as a substitute for hearing personally from God. Like, He wants to speak to you directly. Right, And so the idea is that we come to church, or at least what I think church is about, we come to church, we kind of fill up. I think I've told you guys this before. We, sometimes we come in limping right from the world, the things that have happened, the things that, especially as of late, but we, we come in sad. And nonetheless, we, we come in and, and, and we come in to refuel, and that's what God's Word does. But you cannot survive only on what you hear on Sunday morning. You have to draw out of what the word says personally. And that's where the power came from. See, it wasn't no longer just saying, Pastor Hector said this. It was like, the, the Lord told me this. And that's, what, that's why there was power. There was a difference in what Jesus was doing. And his teaching was so powerful. His teaching was so different that the following thing happens. Look at verse 23. Now, there was a man in that synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But then look what Jesus does. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Now, that is just... I have to tell you, in the time that I have been pastoring, I, I am yet to see this. I, I've had some weird things happen at church, but, but not this. You know, one time, I, and I don't know if I shared this with you guys. Some of you guys may know this. I was in the middle of a teaching in Guanajuato, and, and we, we have, so we have fluorescent lights, but there's no covers on them, and they're just kind of exposed, right? We can get away with that in Mexico. And so I, I was in a pulpit just like this one, and I was in the middle of whatever message I was giving and there were two fluorescent lights kind of right above me and in the middle of what I was saying one of them, they, they just fell 
and it fell and it hit me in the arm and it hit the side of the pulpit and you know fluorescent lights they're kind of like lightsabers that explode right and they just exploded and it went all over the people in the front anyways and it didn't hurt me or anything but I thought that was pretty weird, you know? I mean, I don't know that I'm going to blame a demon for it, but it was beyond ordinary. I, I'd never seen anything like that. I've had the lights go out of us in the middle of service. Weird stuff happened, but not this. Consider the following. I, I, I had to ask myself, how long do you think this guy has been coming to church? It, it doesn't tell us, right? But... I don't think it was his first visit. It just would seem to me that he was a regular attendee, like that he was always within the midst of the people. Now, he might have been. It might have been his first time. It doesn't, it doesn't tell us either way whether it was his first visit or whether he had been coming to this synagogue for a long time. What this tells me is that not everyone who attends church is a believer. Not everyone who attends church, because you need to know a believer cannot be demon-possessed. And I don't have the time to get into that. That was not part of what I've, I've planned to share. But you just need to know believers can be oppressed, but they cannot be possessed. And so there's a big difference in those two things. But this guy, you know, he could have been one of their most faithful attendees yet lost. He could have been the guy that is always there, just doesn't have a relationship with God. It's not until you repent of your sin and you confess who Jesus is that you gain salvation. And this guy has most likely been coming and going from this synagogue, yet demon-possessed. Not only that, I also had to ask myself, what did Jesus say? Like, it tells us that he taught, and he taught with authority, but he doesn't tell us what it is that Jesus said. But look at what the responses of the unclean spirit that's speaking through this man. Look at what it says. Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? Doesn't it almost seem that Jesus is teaching on something that addressed this unclean spirit, like, personally? It doesn't tell us, but he just let us alone. What, what did he say? It doesn't tell us exactly what it is, but it had to be something that that attack that directed him. And you know what? This this again, this hasn't happened to me exactly, but on several occasions, people have come up to me, and maybe you've done this here or somewhere else, or this has happened to you, but. It's happened where people come up to me after service and they'll say, they'll ask me, who told you about my situation? Who told you? And my husband's talking to you. And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. But, but don't miss this because I, I, I think I'm glad it doesn't tell us what it is that he said. We just can, can gather from what he says, let us alone, that there was something that, that addressed this demon, right? Personally, whatever it is. But we need to know that God's word simply taught simply will fulfill its purpose and not return void. Like it's going to penetrate. It's going to cut. It's going to address those things. If you're here and, and you continue to tune in, I guarantee you God will speak to you. 
He will address something in your life. Sometimes he needs to comfort you. Sometimes he needs to wake you up. So some literally. Sometimes he, he needs to correct you. Sometimes he just needs to exhort you. Sometimes he just, hey, uh, you know, you just kind of get that, that pat on the back from the Lord. Well done. Just keep doing what you're doing. I know life is tough. It's going to be okay. In this case, God had an appointment with this guy. Not with the demon. God had an appointment with this guy who was possessed and addresses this issue in order to save him. Notice that in verse 24, this unclean spirit knew who Jesus was. It says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And that statement right there, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God, though coming from the wrong source, is nothing but truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Hector Velarde today on New Spring Radio. Pastor Hector has been working his way through the book of Mark. Within this gospel book, you'll learn more and more about how Jesus came to be a servant to all. While many people are looking to be served, that wasn't Jesus' goal in coming to earth. He came to serve in his life and especially in his death. Jesus came as a servant to mankind willing to lay down his life for the sake of humanity. It's an example that should be highly praised and something everyone should want to follow by his example. Serving is greater than being served. What are some of your thoughts from what you've heard today? We'd like to hear from you. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at office at calvarynewspring.com. That's office at calvarynewspring.com. Perhaps you're more of a phone person. You can call us too. Our number is 210-530-9673. One more time, that's 210-530-9673. If you're simply interested in hearing this message again, or others like it, head over to calvarynewspring.com. Just look under the Messages tab. We love to serve the community around us. And if you're in the area, it would be such a blessing for you to join us this weekend. All the information you need, including service times and directions, are on our website, calvarynewspring.com. Thanks for listening to New Spring Radio.